0: It was, an adve- was it was an adventure, as Chesterton would say, probably, right?
1: Uh, yeah, it was an adventure. <laughs> Something like
0: that. <laughs> so anyway. I think, yeah, so to start, uh, Marina, we've been giving her all sorts of grief because she seems to have a very hard time pronouncing your last name correctly. So maybe just – just. Olson. <laughs> yes, well, she was yeah. uh, referring to you as being in the upper echelon of writers, which Clark and I would uh, refer to you – would agree with. But we're like, I don't think that's actually how you pronounce it.
1: No, no, it's it's, it's just Esslon. <laughs> Esselon.
2: okay. Esslon. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Esselin. Esselin. Yeah, okay.
0: yeah. 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 There you
1: go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the Pit of Culture, a Mountain Catholic production.
2: Okay. <laughs> now, if it makes you feel any better, it took me till I was twenty years old to get pancakes right because i thought it was pam cakes because you spray pam on the pan
1: <laughs> i never spray pam <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> pancakes. Well,
2: so you okay. were easier to figure out your name than pancakes right. and on that note <laughs> i guess i was gonna i guess i got thrown the first question so one of the kind of questions i had reading this was this book uh probably was starting somewhat before all of the stuff was going on in your life that led you to Thomas More. And I was wondering what caused you to write it? Where did it come from?
1: Well, it all happened before then, right? Uh, Before the uh, uh, kind of precipitous collapse at Providence College. Um, What uh, prompted me to write it? uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I look out. And I see, uh, I see so many ordinary human things that aren't done anymore. And I know that uh, my fellow Christians across all Christian denominations are concerned about these things. And they wonder, well, what can you do? What, 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 can, what can one person merely do? Um, and that is my son. Uh, Ten feet away in the bathroom. Sorry about that if there are any noises there. Um, and thought, uh, well, okay. I mean, uh, I'm in a position to write this because I've taught college freshmen for thirty years, more than thirty years. Um, the kind of teaching that I've had to do spans a, a variety of disciplines, it spans also many cultures and three thousand or four thousand years. Um, we ourselves homeschooled our children, um, and uh, I don't think that a secular person would be equipped to write such a book. We're, you know, faithful Christians and our family, faithful Catholic. Um, I care about the arts very deeply. Um, I care about human language, and I think I have a pretty fair idea of what used to be meant uh, by the word culture. And... Which I don't see um, out there across the fruited plain, not much of it anymore. I see something else that's taken its place. And um, so, my gosh, I mean, who else would write this book right now? They're, I'm well placed to write such a thing. And I wanna give my readers uh, suggestions, also wanna give them hope, um, because. Many of the things that I'm talking about, because they are human, they, um, they are things that you would have found anywhere in the world, um, even most places in the world right now, you would still find them. Um, that is, people who had been the inheritors of centuries of music, folk songs, uh, folk ways, dances, uh, religious feasts, and so forth. This is the norm for human life. Okay we have in its place, is not the norm. Um, so in in a sense, in that sense, anyway, restoring things would be like starting to take walks outdoors again, which is natural for human beings. Um, it's not requiring anything that is bizarre, uh, but we've gotten used to um, uh, foregoing the natural, and, we, and then we've gotten used to much of the that helped a bit
2: yeah no i mean that that definitely sets the stage i think really nicely for a lot of those things that we think we've lost um yeah
1: if if you okay. want to if you want a painful experience sorry man I, I didn't mean to cut you off if that's all right what a painful experience um and this has been a hobby of mine uh dig up um Popular magazines from the United States a hundred years ago, and just poke around in them and see what it was that people at that time thought that a uh, fairly intelligent audience of otherwise ordinary Americans, and by no means college graduates—some college graduates, yes—but a majority not college graduates would have considered to be worth their while reading. Um, you'll be stunned. I, I don't think that I don't think that very many college graduates would be able to comfortably read um, uh, popular literary journals in the United States published in 1880 1890. They'd be over their heads. Um, anyway, but I, I, Matthew had a question there. Oh, well, I was just going to say, actually, in speaking
0: of what you were what you just said, I remember uh, Bishop Robert Barron, uh, Cardinal George. Had him over to his house at one point and said, "Oh, this is really interesting. Let me show you this." He pulled out his fourth grade grammar school textbook, and the stuff from a Catholic school and the stuff that they were talking about in fourth grade were stuff that like yep. that I that my my college teachers didn't touch. It was like the these heresies and like these um, you know theological treatises and stuff like that that I didn't learn about until I went and looked for them when I was twenty five, and they were still kind of over my head then.
1: Um, that might yeah. be more of a
0: commentary on me, granted, but...
1: Yeah, well, I, I don't know, but no, it would be commentary on your <laughs> schooling. You, you, you want to be depressed, okay? Um, if you want to be depressed, consider that the phrase grammar comes into the English language because that was the time when the students would be learning grammar, Latin grammar. Latin grammar. Huh. Right? Um, English grammar, that goes without saying. Uh, I think I, I mentioned this in the book in one place. I, my family and I uh, visited Prince Edward Island in Canada a couple of summers ago. And we uh, found um, one of those live-in museums. It used to be a, a village. Um, now it's, I think it's run by the province. And there's an old schoolhouse there. The schoolhouse ceased operation in 1969 it was a one room schoolhouse for about 80, 80 or so years. And uh, they dug up, I don't know how they found, but they dug up samples of the of, of assignments performed by the students, the pupils in the first year of the school's operation. OK, so on one side of the one room schoolhouse along the wall, there were um, there were short verses of devotional poetry and the students were asked to parse every word the verses, that is to give a complete grammatical description of the word and its function in its phrase, clause, sentence, and so forth. So the parsing would take up a whole page for a couple of lines of poetry, right? That's going down the one side. Going down the other side um, it was clear that the kids were working on their introduction to New Testament Greek, and they were um, <laughs> they were uh, declining uh, nouns in New Testament Greek. The one that I remember is doulos, meaning servant. Um, so nominative doulos, etc. Through all the cases, singular. And plural. It is clear from the handwriting, okay. Um, That we're dealing with relatively little kids. Um, We're dealing with nine-year-olds, ten-year-olds, eleven-year-olds. That's incredible. Um, That's depressing. Depressing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I guess I guess maybe to have a more hopeful.
1: uh, I mean, it's it tells us what's possible for nine-year-olds. Yeah, 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 gosh. He did these things before. We can do them again. Look, right. uh, uh, one of the one of the smartest people. I grant that he was very smart. But however, it shows something about human potential that's totally unused right now. Okay, uh, particularly with boys who get a really bad treatment in school because school is just not organized for them anymore. Anyway, um, the effective ambassador of the um, United States or maybe it's the Continental Congress, I'm getting my dates wrong, but the effective ambassador to Russia um, during the early years of the United States was John Quincy Adams. He was 14 years old. He was not the official ambassador. The official ambassador was an older man, but um, Adams Jr. went along with him because Quincy Adams at age 14, was fluent in French, and French was the common language of the Russian court. So uh, John Quincy Adams, at age 14, transacted all of our nation's business uh, with the court, I think of, uh, was it Peter the Great? I'm Not sure who it was at the, mo- at the time. Um, it wasn't Peter the Great, but it transacted business with, with, uh, with the court there in St. Petersburg. Um, and they dropped the papers and the the ambassador, the official ambassador would sign them, but it was Quincy Adams doing the work. He was a 14-year-old boy.
2: That puts student council in perspective, right? Yeah, yes. Seriously. I mean, that's doing some, I don't know, That's inc- I mean, and it's incredible to think if 14-year-olds could do that, then what is the culture, you know, that enables that?
1: <laughs> yeah, so. or what is the non-culture that we have now that retards it, that that blocks it, okay? Because uh, what I said about Quincy Adams, that, that that's pretty impressive, but at um, most places and most times, it's not exactly, it's not way out of the bounds of something that you'd have heard of, right? I mean, Michelangelo already as a teenage boy is producing masterpieces. Uh, the very young Johann Sebastian Bach, I think when he was still a boy, uh, uh, got some money together from his mom and dad and went on a a trip, most of it by foot, I believe, um, to Leipzig, I think it was, to visit with the great organist and composer Buxtehude, okay? Went on his own. There's nobody with him. Went on his own to learn from the master. Um... These are these are things that used to happen. I, I give you another anecdote, right? This is this is um, this is uh, impressive in a very different way. But it shows uh, it shows how far we've fallen, uh, and our, our, our young people uh, just so much uh, capacity that has been squandered or never developed in the first place. So, um, Cambridge. The scene is Cambridge, Massachusetts. I think I even mentioned it. A group of boys, little boys, maybe they're 10, 11 years old. They decided to show up one day at somebody's house to wish him a happy birthday because they found out that it was his birthday. And um, they didn't know him and he didn't know them. They never met him. His name was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Right. They tell this story in the wow. book. His name was Longfellow. And they went to wish him happy birthday because they loved his poetry. And he wrote a a decent amount of poetry for children, like the Song of Hiawatha. He wrote things that both adults and children would enjoy, along with translating the Divine Comedy and doing everything (laughs) Um, Well, he invited them in because he always did love children. And they spent the afternoon with him. They had tea and scones. And um, it was either his 70th or 75th birthday. And it was the last birthday on earth that he ever enjoyed.
3: Wow. because he died wow.
1: in, in the following year okay now um try try uh, the, try to and the boys didn't have any grown-ups driving them there they just showed up try to imagine something like this now it's unimaginable it's like it comes from a different universe but that's the human universe and uh, what we have is something different
3: do you think that there's that the, that sort of um, added to towards life is something that's been lost or something that's being sort of p- suppressed. So that, you know, that children are being told you can't talk to strangers. Um, you, you shouldn't read Longfellow. Um, you shouldn't read poetry. You should be, you should be doing this or should be doing that. Um, or is it that they're not being, t- um, but the, we've just, we don't see it. Where, where, where is the, um, what did, they, what did yeah. those boys have? Did they have something we don't have or do we have something that they didn't
1: have?
2: Yeah, are more we more choice? restricted or it's, did it's they have
1: more encouragement? Thing. It's both. Um, they had what for the human race and the human race's history, right? They had a, a, a human life. Um, they spent uh, most of their waking hours outdoors. Um, they learned without anybody having to teach them uh, other than older people who could show them things, but not, I'm not talking about formal schooling. They learned about the natural world. Um, I mean, any any kid back then would be able to identify this bird over there or that fish over there. Uh, this is just part of the things that you learn from hanging around older people, even older kids, um, and not the object of schooling. Uh, they... Um, they were, I mean, they had the freedom of the town or the city. City was just a big town, a big set of neighborhoods. Um, all that was to the good. They, they had also, um, they, they were not exposed to, um, to the stupid, the garish, and the obscene. Okay? I mean, they just weren't there. Um, if you were thinking about what was in their brains for uh, English language, well, um, the uh, newspapers, which were much more literate than they are now, but also um, the language that they would hear in sermons at church on a Sunday, uh, the, the books that were for their eyes they were not mass marketed books, right? I mean, books were still hardcovering somewhat expensive um so it it was hard to mass produce garbage back then Uh, you know they they almost they did not have to be taught how to write english well because whenever they encountered the print the printed word it was at least competent um and sometimes very literate indeed right i mean uh they had intact families they had music. Where were you going to get music unless somebody played it, right? Um, mm-hmm. That meant that most people poked around with some musical instrument. And even if you did not, somebody in your family did. Um, and, uh, uh, I mean, music was a big part of everybody's shared existence, such as it is no longer. Um, they had poems. Um that Whittier, John Greenleaf Whittier, also wrote poems that he expected children to read. Um, this was part of your heritage, part of just a human heritage. And it's a normal thing. It's not peculiar to America, normal across the ages and all cultures until now. Um, now, because of, of a variety of things, you know, mass media, for instance, what we're doing right now. Um, Yeah, I think they had they had a lot of things that our kids now lack and our kids now suffer some things that the people of old or people within living memory would have found unimaginable, even just just horrifying that. I mean, try to try to imagine in your mind going back to the time when, let's say, my parents were little kids. okay, and um, let's say that somebody came up to my grandfather and said, you know. In this school that you're sending your kids to here, uh, we would like to introduce them to a certain kind of thing that you do with your body parts below the belt. And immediately you would be looked up on as if you were some kind of uh, insane person. Um, I trying to imagine my grandfather saying what things and initially not even comprehending what the heck they could possibly be talking. But then, after a minute, um, doing one of two things, or maybe both—either punching the guy's lights out, calling the cops, or first punching the guy's lights out and then calling the cops. <laughs> right. because the person would immediately be um, identified as uh, um, as uh, as a molester of little children, right? Now, now try, to, try to say to that person that that is what, that is what hundreds of thousands of teachers uh, across the country do every year to uh, little kids as young as six and seven years old. Um, they would look at you with blank incomprehension. They would say, what happened to you? What happened? Did you all lose your minds? Did um, you all gone sick? Uh, why did we even? Why did we even fight the Germans? The Germans would be better than this. I mean, <laughs> what did it do? Uh, they do? They would look upon you as if you were monsters. I know this because I have a little bit of historical awareness because I read what people wrote, and watch what they did and how they spoke. I listen, uh, but now our students have no historical awareness whatsoever. None. Mm-hmm. Um, none. Absolutely none. I mean, it's. That's a new thing in the world too
0: I think probably probably chief among them is because their parents don't and most of their grandparents don't now either um, that was one of the things I mean I what was, happened well I thought that was actually most one of the more poignant things I mean granted I underlined like half of every uh, <laughs> every, every page in the book and like I told everybody yeah that the I whole know time I was reading it <laughs> All this stuff. Matt
2: was Matt would send me like snaps every day he would just take a photo and be like, you have to read this you have to read this I've sent you it now you're reading it and I would read it and I'd be like yeah,
0: this is really good. But it I mean but it it was just because it was so it was just so needed. It was like, oh, this is just a salve to my squelched like twenty first century brain kind of. But one of the things I liked the most was uh how you you pointed out something I'd never heard of before in public education, something about in the thirties there was a big shift. Yeah. Um maybe you could I don't know, just elaborate on yeah, that. That's a from yeah, that's John
1: Dewey uh at Columbia got um, got hold of Teachers College, which was uh, affiliated with Columbia, and um, began the ruination of public schooling in the United States. Um, Dewey became the most influential philosopher, although I don't think he's smart enough to be characterized as a real philosopher, um, in the United States, and he had... Uh, he had this monstrous effect upon uh, the training of teachers because the people who went with their degrees from teachers college in columbia uh they that was the seedbed for all the other teachers colleges around the country all of your colleges like michigan state um uh, so so many of these were were founded primarily as uh pre-professional colleges in teaching uh sometimes agriculture mining um that sort of thing right nursing Mm -hmm. and um it was it it was over and the and the textbook publishers followed suit so you can see a pretty noticeable um drop off a cliff as early as 1940 1935 in the textbooks in the united states of america um the uh I mean, silly little things that you'll notice: the print is bigger, the arithmetic problems are simpler, um, they get to things rather late, um, the readers are are amazingly mind-numbingly dumb, uh, so uh, and and the the teaching the teaching of uh, English phonetics was dropped, so that by the late 50s. That's, this, this is a long time ago now, right? This is like 60 years almost. Um, uh, a guy would be writing a book called Why Johnny Can't Read. Well, so nobody was writing a book Why Johnny Can't Read in 1910. I mean, 1910, um, if, if, you, if, you, if, if somebody called you illiterate, they meant that, well, you know, maybe you couldn't comfortably read uh, the speeches of Abraham Lincoln. What we mean by illiterate now, I think, is that you can't even read, uh, the front page of a, you know, a a dumb newspaper. Uh, and it's, it's, it's it's already happened. I was shocked when I was a kid, um, going to high school. I'm going to date myself here. I went to, uh, high school in the fall of 1973 and um, took classes at a Catholic high school in German and Latin and was stunned to discover that the only students in the whole high school who knew about English grammar were the ones who came from my little school. And that was only because of one or two old Adelax nuns but The other students had never heard of these grammatical terms or grammatical forms. Um, they were learning them for the first time in Latin and German. Well, I had a similar st- experience. My students know no grammar. Yeah, my students know no grammar. Never been taught. And uh, I get on on social media, uh, which I confess I'm on. But um, I'll, I'll get teachers who. Maybe you don't know who I am, uh, somebody else's, somebody else's um, post will say, well, you know, we teach our students grammar. Of course we teach our students. No, you don't. You don't teach <laughs> no, they don't. Remember, you teach them 10 or 12 rules. Half of them are wrong at that. They have nothing to do with one another. No. Um, oh, uh, how many of my students know what a clause is? None of them know what a clause is. What's a participle? You teach them grammar, right? Okay, then you tell me what's a participle. I, I mean, I don't like to put teachers on the spot that way because I don't enjoy humiliating people. But it's the fact. They don't know but grammar.
2: Teachers don't. They don't, don't expect that. Well, They don't, they don't expect, expect expertise. They
1: don't themselves know it. They, 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 your teachers don't know it. Your teachers it, of English right. right now, they don't know English literature. They don't know how to read a poem. Um, they don't know English grammar. Uh, they don't know English history, which you should know if you're going to teach English. I mean... What
2: do they know? They, well, it's a management issue, right? I mean, and this is something I'd be curious kind of to hear you weigh in, particularly in light of Clark um, and Trivium being just a very different school in this regard, I, it sounds like, from what I've experienced in meeting students. But in my teacher program... Are um, teaching
1: at the Trivium right
3: now? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they but, teach math and Latin, actually, and drama. Terrific.
2: So. <laughs> but that was one of the things like we had had to do at my high school was they required Latin um, because Bruce Thornton was involved in the founding of that. And right. like, it was, it was great because you did learn grammar. And I remember coming out of Latin and realizing, Oh wow, my papers are so much better. But right. in the teacher programs today, they expect teachers, it seems far more to manage students and to be the dreaded sage on the stage thing that they try to, you know, derive so much. And yet it always struck me that the best teachers I've had have been experts in their subjects. And I don't know, I'm curious, what needs to change for kids to have that educational opportunity to actually learn what's really happening? And I know you speak of that a little in the book, but to give you some kind of an opportunity to talk
1: about that yeah, here. In the common public schools, forget it, it's not going to happen. Uh, some of it might happen in some of the chartered public schools. In the meantime, the Catholic schools and other private schools need to get off their rear ends. I mean, why should those people in those schools tamely copy what's going on in the public schools? What innovation in American public education, except for the charter school movement, which is relatively recent, and is an innovation in structure, what innovation in teaching and curriculum uh, in the last 90 years in in the United States of America, 80 years anyway, has been anything other than a disaster. Um, can we start ticking them off? So why should anybody up what they're doing, right? Uh, how about how about uh, introducing little kids to arithmetic by means of set theory? That is the <laughs> new of the that's been fun to. That's yeah. been fun to watch. Right. Let's 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 not give them a sense of number. Let's make their heads spin uh, at age nine. By talking about the distributive property of multiplication, <laughs> addition, um, and it, it, it was moronic. Okay, the uh, the disparagement of the memory. Um, There's nobody. There is nobody in education anywhere in the world before the day before yesterday who would deny uh, that the memory is an important uh, faculty. If you are going to learn anything, I mean, that seems so obvious. It seems like only a madman would deny such a thing. Well, we've had we've been ruled, ruled by madmen, so they're 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 bonkers. And um, uh, the the other schools, the schools, the private schools, need to stop hiring people who come out of that system. Stop using the textbooks that are used in that system, and uh, stop stop Following after the the insane curricular choices, want to know what to do? I don't know. Uh, you don't have to reinvent wheels. Go find out what they did before all this madness. Do some of it. It's not that hard, right? Um, but if you're talking about if you're talking about parents and what they can do, uh, you got to. I think you got to get your kids off the screens. There, there's no reason why a kid needs an iPhone. No reason at all. Um, There's hardly um, a reason that we do. Yeah, right. No reason. So uh, get them off that, get them outdoors, and put good books in front of their eyes. They don't have to be great classics. They can just be good books. Uh, Huckleberry Finn is a great classic. Booth Tarkington's Penrod books are uproariously funny. They're good books, (laughs) right? They're good. Um, No garbage, no junk. No slop, no young adult fiction. N- maybe nothing written in the last sixty years, right? Uh, and if you want to watch movies, watch good movies. That mm-hmm. might limit you. You might have to go before nineteen sixty-five. Um, so what? So so uh, teach them teach them how to watch um, a movie during the uh, golden age of Hollywood. Um, if if they learn. What the directors used to do then, I, I don't know how they could put up with ninety seconds of a stupid movie like Titanic. Now, <laughs> Titanic wow. is like a, like a, <laughs> a years ago. Um, it's a colossally stupid movie. I tried to watch uh, it once, and I only got into about forty seconds. Of <laughs> getting, oh, this. this,
0: I'm cu- I'm curious as to why it's not. I don't disagree, but I'm just curious as to why. Um, yeah, I feel like your reasoning without...
1: might be different than
0: Yeah, just without yeah. familiarity. Yeah. Well, okay.
1: So, um uh <laughs> the you, were, you, were, you, may, you you may you uh, may laugh at this, but back during the days when Hollywood um, censored itself. Okay? The, Hollywood was not censored by the government. Hollywood uh, self-censored. Uh, had its code for about 30 years from about 1936 or something like that to the late 60s. Um You had to get across powerful attraction between the sexes um, through a limited number of means, right? Um, It forced them to be creative. It also uh, forced the directors to focus on the two most prominent features of a human being, especially in black and white movies, where you are not going to be distracted by color, right? you have to focus on the human face and the human hands, okay? Uh, The directors seem to have understood that by instinct. What you get in those days is really powerful movies, for instance, about the frustration, the misunderstanding, the attraction, the fascination, and the love of one sex for a member of one sex for a member of the other sex. Um, It's everywhere. And since the actors themselves came from a world before Hollywood in which it was pretty much expected that sex was for marriage and marriage was for children, even if the actors themselves uh, no longer lived that way, right? and some of them did, but even if they did not, they well knew what it was like to live that way. Um, they uh, they didn't grow up going to college and studying film. Um, they grew up on farms. Their fathers worked in mines or quarries or on the docks. Um, a lot of these came from immigrant families. Kirk Douglas, who was still alive, his father sold rags, right? Um, even if they fell away from that life, they knew what it was. They knew the kind of powerful attraction that men and women have for each other. Now when I'm looking at uh, males and females, I don't even want to call them men and women, but I'm looking at males and females in your typical movie. Um, it has all the electricity of a piece of plastic rubbing up against a piece of plastic. There's, there's no electricity, there's no chemistry at all. Uh, it looks as if we're, we're, we've got people who, by age 18 or 19, are already so disaffected with the other sex that they might as well have been divorced three times. They've piled up a long history of train wrecks with regard to sexual relationships. Um, They don't believe that there's anything holy about it. It's not oriented towards um, some great human aim like the family or any transcendent aim. Um, So there's nothing there. And in order to mask the fact that there's nothing there, uh, they have to distract themselves and their viewers with uh, sexual activity. Um, But uh, if I I mean, to me, I I look at that and I say that's because there is no real powerful feeling here. Um, This is a substitute. It's it's a poor substitute. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's, kind of downhill from there because if you get the sexes wrong, I don't know what you can talk about. <laughs> like, go <laughs> uh,
0: well, it seems like it's just a lack of understanding of life as it's actually supposed to be lived. I mean, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. I know um, just in the last year, just the circumstances of my own life, I've learned um, just kind of had a reorientation from uh, a good friend who told me about how he and his wife got together. Um, And they were in the same group of a similar age group and they like to do the same things together, mainly, you know, ministry and I think serving the poor and just kind of hanging out in general. And they had a really, really strong friendship. And then after a while he thought, he started realizing, oh, these are the qualities that I would, you know, preferably like to see in the woman that I marry. Um, And then they didn't actually realize that they could have been considered to be dating. Until they got assigned to give a dating talk at a at a youth conference sure. together, <laughs> the two of them. Um, but it's it, just it kind of speaks to that yeah. as a nice contrast to just like the raw kind of animalistic emotion because they, you know, I don't know Hollywood doesn't know you any know, better. But they that, my
1: animalistic emotion. Very little of it is even emotion. A great lot of it is putting on an act. Um, because in your heart of hearts, no, there's no feeling there. Only. Um, it's a sad world out there. I mean, my, uh, I know a lot of my students have never been on a date. They don't know how to. And how could you even begin? Because the stakes are so high. Suppose you go up to a girl now and you say, uh, hello, uh, I, my name is so-and-so. And I've, we, we're I, we, in the same class. I don't know if you've noticed, but. I was just wondering if you'd like to come with me. Um, maybe uh, Thursday night they're having ice cream over there, and maybe we can get an ice cream together and catch a movie. Okay. Can't do that. Can't do that. What does it mean? Um, she might be thinking, he's going to ask me to bed. And if that's the case, do I dare say yes? Mm hmm. The language has been blown to smithereens, and so the kid, knowing that she would not know what the heck he's after, never asks in the first place. Um, So a lot of my students are lonely because they are not part of the, what do you call it, the hookup scene. And then a lot of my students are lonely because they are. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, it's. It's interesting because even in, yeah, I'm thinking even in the Catholic dating scene and the Catholic dating world, I think that there's a lot of pieces that are being written and questions being asked, whether they're in friend groups or online in kind of collective discussion formats, but people utterly have no idea, it seems, how to go on a date (laughs) because, oh my gosh, if you're asking me how to, clearly means you want to marry me or you want to have sex with me, and those are such strong dichotomies that Everyone seems almost utterly paralyzed. I know.
1: I know. It's it's so frustrating. Uh, I have recommended this way around it for for groups. Um, first of all, you you have to write out exactly what each party will be expected to do, how to dress, and so on. Uh, then you specify that. Uh, uh, this is just a date. It doesn't mean anything beyond it. And then you put the boys' names in one hat and the girls' names in the other hat. And you pick <laughs> at random. Okay? And everybody who takes part in this agrees from beforehand that whatever is picked out of the hat, they will go on the date and do the set of things that are, that are listed. Okay? Um, just to get people moving. Um, it should not have to be this way but you know what uh, I have a friend who 20 years ago told me that um, he he was an eagle Scout and a student of mine that uh, in leading his uh, pack of Boy Scouts they no longer knew how to get up a game of anything um, so that they had to be instructed by somebody older how to play a game you know? you've, you've got you've got a bat a certain kind of ball, a certain kind of field and a certain number of guys. How do you play baseball? How do you play baseball with seven guys, uh, a tennis ball, a hardball bat, okay, um, and a field in which there's a big tree blooming in in say right, right field. How do you play? No. They would it would they would not know. He had so he had to he had to teach them how to play again. Um, These are things that children taught one another, but then the the chain was broken. The links were severed. Um, Same thing with young people in the United States and dating. Uh, Wherever you go in human cultures, there are courtship rules. There are folkways. The young person... uh, Sex and marriage are too important to leave to young people alone. Uh, uh, The old guided them they shepherded them you know that's gone that's gone um, we very much need the, the older people to get involved again Uh and not to ch- I mean youth groups that do theology on tap that's fine but you know what I think for every one theology on tap lecture there ought to be 10 days yeah um, yeah, I yeah we need to restore. we need to restore the ordinary human things
3: yeah, I suppose that you're saying that those. I mean, it's almost like the grammar of life, right? You need to yeah. know where do you, how do you do the parsable thing? That's
1: very good. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When it comes to when it comes to the ordinary things of human life, we're like la la, la, la. Uh, <laughs> uh We we no speak uh, understand the word. Uh, it, it's
3: and That's the way you date. are. That's the way you. I'm, that's the way I'm on a date, anyways. So
1: I mean. <laughs> so there's no rules I going was totally shy when i was a kid um i don't know what the heck i was doing on my first date uh but she was she was nice we actually had a second date and we dated for about a year and a half in high school um,
3: there's there's a kind of um the, the desire for freedom or you know you're saying like you need to be free and No, right. well you I mean if you give me two choices you know you can either get married or become a priest then i can choose one of the two but if you say you can do whatever you want there's nothing there's no, no choice is better than another you you you're you're trapped you you can't do anything even if you wanted to do it you wouldn't know how to go about it since there's no you're not
1: married are you no not how old are you nope eight how much 28 28 where do you live? In Massachusetts.
3: Massachusetts, yeah. Lancaster, Massachusetts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, Clark. You should I think go on I'm going to be
3: pulling names out of a hat pretty soon. Man.
1: <laughs> that's very interesting.
2: <laughs> well, I think, and this kind <laughs> of. I have a daughter. I to... can
1: introduce you to. Oh, hey, hey, back Clark. Class in a year. I think you should go on a
2: date. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this is this is kind of, I guess, a question then. What do because a lot of our listeners, assuming they're not my mother, are probably like in their early 20s, late 20s, early 30s. um, And what do you do like with all of the stuff? Because what I really liked about the book was I think a lot of what you said was right. Um, I think a lot of it was why I went to a school like TAC to have that opportunity to kind of see human life in a lot of ways. Um, and to have a better foundation for it. But since most people are probably not gonna go back to undergrad or whatnot and they have lives, what what about for the people who are in this kind of middle ground where we're not raising children yet and we weren't raised this way, but what we see is appealing?
1: Yeah, well, uh, get, get yourselves married. I'm Italian. <laughs> I wanna see that. <laughs> <I'm> Italian. <laughs> And um, we do need to teach our kids that, uh, it's as Clark said, let's make it quite clear here, really, Uh, for the overwhelming majority of people, it's either the priesthood or the sisterhood, right, or it's marriage. And that means for the overwhelming majority of those, it's going to be marriage. Um, And that should be in our minds when, I mean, even as early as high school, it it should be in our minds certainly when you're in college it should be in your mind what what you, what are you going to do now because the real part of life is not going to be your job it's going to be your, your family life your marriage um and uh Lara, let's suppose that you have uh, finally gotten married um if the question then is how do you how do you recover some of these things for yourself and for your for your, for your children uh i in some ways, it's the easiest thing in the world. Um, you don't really need that screen, do you? you don't really. Um, uh, the, you, you do kind of like being outdoors, don't you? Um, you did once have an idea of learning how to play piano. And now pianos, used pianos are so cheap because nobody knows how to play them you can probably pick one up for a hundred
2: bucks. You can um, pick a guitar up for 25.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, some you get paid 30 it, bucks to put it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in 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 Canada, um, every little church a hundred years ago had what's called a reed organ, it's a pump organ. I like this and, story. Uh, you, you know, you work it by pushing pedals And that works, that pushes air around. And um, when you press the keys, chambers open and air goes through a reed, like a whistle. It's a big harmonica. Um, That's what you had when you couldn't afford a pipe organ for your church. And a lot of people had them in their homes. You can't sell them now in in Canada. Um, You'd have to pay somebody to take it off your hands. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows how to play. We'll learn how to play. if you had a, a kind of thing for painting, take it up. Do do the human things that have been abandoned. Um, it, it's gonna be tough to do some of the things that require a community to do. That's gonna be tough. There's where the real challenge is. Because um, your, your neighbors are not likely to understand what the heck you're doing or to be interested. Um, and I know that some people, because of that, have deliberately decided to move to a, a particular village where others of like mind have moved in order to be part of it. What's, what do they call now? These in, an intentional community. Um, I. I don't want to prescribe there that that's that would be a very difficult thing, I think. Uh, however. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, not gonna sneer at people who do that. Mm -hmm. In some ways, they've done that for Thomas Aquinas College, for Thomas More College, and the Trivium. They
3: have, yeah. There's a, but I think in those cases, um, one of the things I liked about your book in the in the last, in the the way you ended it it is probably where you um, you sort of end with that idea of the pilgrimage and remembering of where we're going and that is the, these um the sort of intentional community What sort of what what makes me what makes my sort of hair stand on end is that there's what's the focus of the community because it seems like places like thomas moore and trivium and tac they sort of found they were looking for one thing you no, know, uh, usually the faith, and in these cases, it has been education. So education and faith have been the what we're all gathered around for, and then the community sort of forms around that. That is, is that important? I mean, you, you, that idea of ending with the, the faith, the role that the the Christian, and particularly the Catholic faith, plays in these sorts of things.
1: I think if the faith is not there, the community doesn't develop. Um, the faith is the faith is is not sufficient. You're going to need the ordinary human things, but the faith is going to be necessary, uh, a necessary condition. This is why secularists will never have communities anymore. Um, how about that for a politically incorrect thing to say? Secularists increasingly find themselves incapable even of understanding what a community life is. Um, Because why? They are on the capital of past ages.
0: Right. Why would they care? It's all about them.
1: Uh, Yeah. um, um, Yeah, uh, the higher hedonism. Uh, Hedonistic life ultimately is a lonely and cruel life. Uh, I'm still... uh, I've got to believe, though, even in in people who don't have much of the faith or don't have much of the faith yet, there is still a longing for the ordinary human things that they that has not been eradicated. You have to be completely insane or or completely given over to the dark side to have that be eradicated. We can make appeals, in other words, um, when you have your kids, you're going to get married, you're going to have kids. And those kids are going to play outside because that's why God made outside. Yes, kids playing it. Yes,
3: sure. Man made
1: inside. <laughs> Ooh.
2: And then we had to build air conditioning.
1: <laughs> outside, right? Uh, some people will not like that. Some people will will hate the fact that you have happy kids playing outside. Those people, um, those people are dangerous. You need to watch out for them. But I think most people will be attracted by it, almost despite themselves, Um, despite their politics and despite their uh, indifference to the faith. And when they see maybe a couple of families doing this with brood of happy and jumping kids, they'll say, I don't know what these people over there are drinking, but can I have some of that? (laughs) Um, We have... As bad as things are out there and things are horrible, um, we have all the good food and the good drink, <laughs> right? Yes. I mean, we have the good books, we have the great music, we have great art, um, we, we have understanding of the meaning of life and we, we, we have uh, we have a belief in in uh, the boyishness of boys and the girlishness of girls and a belief in the holiness and the goodness and the sweetness of 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 the sexes one for the other uh, and in marriage. We have oh, a, uh, incomparable riches. We usually make terrible use of them, and some of them <laughs> our bits actually despise them and work as um, provocateurs uh, from the inside. But in general, you know, we have all this stuff. They don't have anything. What do they have? Um, what do they have now? Uh, uh,
2: so... No, I mean, you have a world where one of my cousins has... Her job is literally based on the fact that she loves taking kids out into nature and doing stuff with them and letting them kind of just run around and explore and climb trees. There are parents who pay her a fair amount of money to go do that with their kids because they can't be bothered.
1: Wow. To go take their kids to teach them how to climb trees. And tuck them in at night?
2: I mean, it's this, it's, but it's this idea that other people are an inconvenience to your life. Whereas, I think what it sounds like you're saying, and I think one of the things that I had really liked about your book was this idea that other people aren't really an inconvenience; they're actually everything that makes life delightful and wonderful.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When you talk about the cyclops and that idea of, yeah. that, in mm-hmm. some ways, our our ability to isolate ourselves and you know, I I can get in the car, turn on the air conditioning. And drive, what would be a five-minute walk away, and I'm not doing anything this afternoon. I have no reason why I've got to get um, get the store back. I'm not in a rush, and yet I every day I continually get in the car and drive two minutes instead of walk for ten there and back. And that's
1: interesting. And then you probably go to the gym to work out because you don't get any exercise.
3: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But every time we we, we were, we're able to. Um, we sort of make that easy choice. We don't have the benefit of the necessity to force us to be around other people.
1: Benefit of yeah. the necessity. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You know, I, I thought, yeah. uh, it, it, first time I read a book called Joseph Andrews by, by Henry Fielding. Uh, oh. it, it's a wonderful book. I love it's a it.
2: great book. He came yeah. out of the
1: earth. Uh, the, what's that?
2: He has no lineage or something, right? Oh, Even no, no, no. Who had no heritage? Uh, uh,
1: n- um, Joseph Andrews?
2: By Henry Fielding? Yes. Yes. Th- that's the one I'm thinking. I'm just thinking the little excerpt. Anyway, go on.
1: Anyway, <laughs> uh, so they meet up with fellow um, named Mr. Wilson, who's going to play a key role in the denouement of the book. But um, he's led a dissolute life. He. He lucked out and won a lottery. Uh, he came into some funds and a beautiful woman actually loved him and he married her, turned his life around. And he says to the, his visitors, I, I, uh, my, I keep my body fit um, by gardening, right? And now in American English, I think about that and I say, what you do, you put out pots of flowers but no, um, what you do is you have a small field, and you till it, um, you you plant vegetables, you go out there and you work, and it is hard work. And maybe he spends a couple of hours a day at that hard work out there, um, and it keeps him fit as a man in his late middle age. Um, now think about that and compare it with being on an exercise bicycle with, uh, tubes or uh, wires hooked to you to measure how fast your heart is racing. Um, that's strange. Think about that. How strange that is.
0: There's no real uh, fruit that comes from it.
1: No, because no. the fruit
0: the fruit, I guess, in our modern mind is, oh, I'll be jacked. I'm going to be really super fit or something. <laughs> Whereas that's just a byproduct, and that's not even what, he, what uh, Joseph Andrews cares about. The fruit is uh, the literal fruit of his labor.
1: Hey, you know what? Uh, you know what too. Um, in in any fight between a farmer or a construction worker, and a guy who is at the gym all day, oh. every day, nope. loses every time. <laughs> loses every time, right? Because yes. um, you don't know how many muscles you're working that you've never even heard of mm-hmm. when you are, you know trying to build a barn, uh, trying to take a stump out of the field. Um, one those of my... get strong. Um, one of my Hel- favorite
2: memories of college is that we went to a wedding, and there were all these college boys, and they were arm wrestling with all of these 60, 70-year-old Montana cowboys.
0: <laughs> yes!
2: <laughs> and guess who won? Not even not even a contest. Old
0: man strength. Yeah. That's what that's called.
2: Oh, man. Old men. They were
1: all muscle, I'm pretty sure. Well, just like rock. the old men have what my students call "dad strength." Ooh, dad. Yep, yeah. yep. Which boys don't get till they're about 25. <laughs> but then maybe some don't get it all if they don't uh, end up doing things like buying a house and having actually to work on it. Yep. Um, I noticed all that the human beings a... make bodies really fit. You know, I saw I saw a travelogue on Turner Classic Movies the other day. Um, they were, this is back in the days when they would, when you go to the movies and either between double feature or before the movie went to sea, they would show a short, the short might be 12, 13 minutes long. Um, and they were sometimes newsreels, reports about the war, uh, sometimes travel logs, sometimes comic things, you know? Well, this one took, took you to Nova Scotia and the, uh, and some fishermen, on the banks of the Atlantic, in southern Nova Scotia, and uh, they, you had these two guys and a twelve-year-old boy with nets that they were throwing off this dock into the water and then pulling. Okay, and you could see that that kid, okay, the kid had on shorts that otherwise was uh, was was naked. Right, I mean, bare to the to the waist. Um, That kid obviously had been doing that since he was a little kid because he looked like a man in miniature, you know? Um, And it's just like the healthy thing that happens when you're outdoors doing something natural. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, it, It didn't require a machine. It just required going out on a boat, slinging a net, pulling it through the water, you know? Um looked like a lot of fun, too. We were catching a lot of fish. I wanted to be there.
0: Yeah, usually is a lot of fun. Well, gosh, we I can't believe it. Every time we do an interview, like oh my hour, goodness. an hour goes by super fast. So, so we don't want to keep you. But um, I don't know. Thank you so much for being willing to come on the podcast.
1: Um, yeah, this has been super fun. <laughs> you're going to tell them to buy my book? Yes. <laughs> yes. So yes what is it up well. there in front there? Yeah, Matt, That's give the copy. It Someplace Buy
3: several copy? copies. Pass them out. Yes, buy several sure. copies. I have already
0: bought so, several copies and sent them to various people.
2: <laughs> so if you missed this, uh, it we have been talking with Tony Esselin.
0: Yes. Well done. Yes. Yes.
2: Better, better, getting better. Okay. So by the end of the podcast, second podcast on this, we've been talking with Tony, Doctor Tony Esselin. You can buy his book out of the ashes, rebuilding America for, um, rebuilding American culture. It's really, really good. I highly recommend it. Matt highly recommends it. Clark highly recommends it, and obviously Dr. Esselin himself would highly recommend it because he wrote it.
1: And because my family needs new new pairs of shoes and pizza. Yes. Yes, you Amen. should
2: fund the pizza and the new shoes and the moving. So. That's
1: right. Matt, yeah. Matt, do
2: you want to do the send-off thing?
0: Oh well, no, I. That's about all I no got. We, we, no prob- okay. we can probably record it so so Dr. Eslin doesn't have to sit around and listen to the, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> <Okay>. qu- <laughs> the closing <laughs> credits or something. So but. thank you guys. It so was much. A
1: blast. Um, and uh, maybe I'll see you around sometime. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah.
0: That was really cool. Okay. So well, uh, to close the podcast out at MTN Catholic on Twitter, um Patreon.com slash MTN Catholic if you like what you hear and if you want to make the sound quality better, please support Uh, The podcast there And then If you really liked it Especially because this Interview was amazing Please uh, rate Review On iTunes And bonus If you review the podcast We will read it out loud On the podcast And Probably pray for you too Because we all need prayers
2: We will pray for them How about we will pray for them But not because they rated it Just because we have a name
0: I like to be ambiguous Because I'm a millennial
3: So Okay Yeah any parting shots? Matt is going to give send a, a copy of the book to a random oh. reviewer. Ooh!
0: Anybody oh, who we reviews, should do that. Yes. oh good idea, Clark. Okay. Yes. Anybody who reviews this episode, we will randomly pick a winner. And and then we will get your, your information. Book. That's a great idea. Ooh, Clark, genius. Third podcast, and you're already
3: coming off a genius. Ideas. There you go. <laughs> and getting dates. It's okay. because
2: Clark has a date.
3: <laughs> yep, I feel I'm 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 just like batting a thousand tonight. Yep.
0: <laughs> Seriously, you, you are. are.
3: <laughs> well, I have a feeling we're gonna have our time talking this one.
0: This, is, this one, this was pretty good.
2: Yeah. So we could all die tomorrow and that'd be okay, except because he wouldn't go on state. Anyway, so um, I guess the final thoughts would be, you should follow us, you should listen to this, you should review us, and we'll pray for
0: you. Yeah, for sure. Buy the book.
2: And if you want to go on a date with Clark, you can also email us at mtmcatholic at gmail.com.
0: Boom. There you go. That's a good All right. Catch you all next week. Bye. Bye.